Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you today. We're going to begin talking. Uh, we, we did this in the first service. We're going to begin talking uh, about love today for the next uh, few weeks. I've been feeling the direction of the Lord to do this. And I want to talk to you today about the challenge of love. The challenge of love. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We just give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you for the joy of being able to get into your word and to learn your word. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear and their hearts to receive, we pray. Touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want you to grab your Bibles, please, and turn to a very familiar portion of Scripture today. And it's known as the love chapter. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And while you're turning there, there's a few things that I just want to say to you about this series. First of all, the Bible says that we know people by the fruit that they bear, right? Not by the color of their hair or the absence of their hair, but by the fruit that they bear. You can put anything else in there. I just did that to try to get your attention a little bit this morning. Fruit is a reflection of the root. Now, Donna says root. No, she says root. She got onto me all for, for, for years. It's, it's, it's root, it's not root. How many of you say root? How many say root? Donna? I hate to tell you, but nobody went with you there. That's a, no. No. Fruit is a reflection of the root. Now, listen to me very closely. If love is not in your root, it won't be in your fruit. I said if love is not in your root, it won't be in your fruit. Now, the Bible teaches us this, that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. Doesn't it teach us that? The Bible tells us that. Now, to be grounded means to be established. To be rooted means to be planted. So we have to be grounded or we have to be established in love in order for love to work through us, and we have to be rooted or planted in love in order for love to be produced through us or from us. So whatever's in the fruit is found in the root. And if it's not in the root, it won't be in the fruit. So how do we become rooted? We become rooted through impartation. I'm just kind of laying a little foundation here before we get moving here. We become rooted through impartation. If I hang around people who are loving people, I will become a loving person. If I read books about love, then that will get inside of my spirit. It will become part of my root system. It will become part of my DNA. And so I become rooted through impartation. Listen, the Bible said we are rooted and grounded in love. Now, so we become rooted through impartation. We become grounded through testing. 
So we become rooted through impartation. We become grounded through testing. So when the Bible says that we are rooted and grounded in love, or we to be rooted and grounded in love, that means I have to make myself available for impartation, and I have to make myself available for testing. Now, testing is not necessarily to find out. It's not always to find out if it's there or not. Sometimes it's to find out how much of it is left. Let me give you an example of that, okay? You take your battery, you get a brand new battery, you put it in your car. About three years later, that battery is going to start failing. Why? Because it's going to be losing, am I right, Tim? Some of the acid, or it'll be losing. So what do you do? You go somewhere where they can, quote, test the battery to see what is left. And so when they test it to see what is left, then you have a choice to make. You can buy another battery or you can get that one fixed. I don't know if you get the battery fixed or not, but maybe they can put some more acid in it or something. I don't know. But anyways, you can get it fixed or you can get it replaced. And sometimes when we go through testing, it is not so much to find out whether something is in us, it's to find out how much of it is left so it can be revealed to us, this might be in an area in my life that I need to work on. And so when we go through difficult times, when we go through trouble times, when we go through times of, of betrayal, sometimes through divorce and things like that, when we go through times of betrayal and times of extreme hurt and times of extreme pain, when we go through those times, then our love can become depleted. And we allow God to test us, to show us what's left so we can start working on it and get that love back up where it belongs. Get that tolerance back up where it belongs. Get the confidence back up where it belongs. And the way that we do that is through impartation. So if I realize that through testing that I am depleted in an area then I need to find a group of people who are flowing in that area, connect myself to them, and receive the impartation of that which I am lacking. Does that make sense? Do you understand? So the challenge of love today that I'm going to talk to you about, the challenge of love today is first of all to, to find out how what the Bible says about love and to find out how that we can receive it through impartation and also to make ourselves avail, available for the testing because when I'm tested, I want, I want the Lord and I want other people to find love in my root so there can be love in my fruit. Let me say this last thing before we go to 1 Corinthians 13. What we see in the fruit is a reflection of what we cannot see. So the fruit is the reflection of the root. And the reflection or the fruit is the evidence of things that are unseen. You are sitting in a building today who has underneath it a foundation. You can sit where you are sitting right now and because it, that foundation is completely covered because the floor, which is concrete by the way, is completely covered with carpet, you cannot see that, car, that, that concrete. You can't see the foundation. But the fact that the foundation is there and the flat, fact that the concrete is there makes it possible for you to sit in this building today and learn from the things of learn the things of God from from the word of God. Now that's the same way it is with our life. Many times there are things that we have to work on that we don't see. 
that other people don't see. Sometimes those things are emotions. Sometimes they're attitudes. Sometimes they're belief systems. Sometimes they're relationships. But there are things that we have to work on occasionally that we can't see. And the only way that we can present what we can present is because there have been a lot of other people and God Himself and ourselves working on the unseen things in our life. You didn't watch me prepare for this message today. You were not sitting in the office. You were not sitting in the chair at home by the bed. You were not driving down the road in the car with me, listening to me pray, talking to God about this message all week long. You did not watch me prepare for this message. But you are the recipient of this message because of the unseen things that I went through to put it together to give it to you in a way that you can understand it today. Does that make sense? So there are things in your life. There are things that you have to work on that is not always out there for other people to see. And sometimes the challenge of love is working on areas in our life that other people cannot see so we can stay in love. Now, first, number one, they're on your sheet. The Bible teaches us to live in love. That's what the Bible teaches us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. The Bible teaches us to live in love. It's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to do that. The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 2 in the New International Version, it says this. It says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now the command to be humble, gentle, patient, and to bear would not be necessary if there were not challenges that we were faced with in our life that would combat our humility, our gentleness, our patience, and our ability to forbear. The command is there because God knew that we would have those challenges in our life. God knew we would have those challenges because He knew that He was teaching us to live in love and that it would not always be easy. So He gives us this command. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, to be humble and gentle and patient and to bear with one another in love. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14 once again in the New International Version, says this, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. In the King James Version it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So the Bible teaches us that we are going to have to put some effort into making peace. Peace is not something that just happens Peace is something that is made. 
And so the Bible teaches us that we are supposed to do that and we are supposed to live in peace and we are to be holy if it be possible as much as lieth within you. You say, well, pastor, you just have not walked my road. You just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the person that I'm married to. You don't know how my kids have been treating me. You don't know my life story or my history. And it's true for some of you. I probably do not know that. And you say, so you'll say, so it's really just not possible for me to to love people and to live holy and to be at peace. I give you Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes the only way to love a rascal is through Christ. Right? Sometimes that's the only way that we can love a rascal because not everybody's going to treat you right for the rest of your life. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything's going to be wonderful and you're going to float around on clouds and sing holy, holy, holy all the rest of your life. No, you said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. At that point, the devil painted a target on your back. And the enemy will fight you and he will try to defeat you and he will try to destroy you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the fact that the enemy is fighting you is proof positive that you have value to the kingdom and God will come through for you. Today I want to talk about what the Bible says about getting along with people. I want to talk about what the challenge of love. I want to talk about what it means to be in love. Now, now just let me, in the foundation stages here once again, just let me go down a little rabbit trail for just a few moments here, okay? We did this in the first service, and I think we need to do it here in the second. How many of you hate drama? You just can't stand it. You know, I mean, that is, drama is from the devil, isn't it? I mean, I just, how many of you have social media? Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr. I'm saying some of them, some of you old folks are like, what's that? But you know what Facebook is because the average age for people on Facebook now is 35 years old and older. The young folks have already left Facebook. They're there just because you're there. That's true. Facebook is horrible for drama. Now, I'm not preaching against Facebook. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Use it for the right reasons. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff was not put there for you to air your dirty laundry or someone else's dirty laundry to the entire world. Some people don't understand. You put that out there, it's there forever. It's there forever. Don't put it out there. Now, here's the drama part of it, okay? There's some people who are too weak to say something to your face. So what they'll do is they'll get on Facebook and they'll talk in code. 
and they'll try to get other people, you know, they're trying to bait other people to come over to their side and people jump on there. Oh, that's right. The Bible says this. The Bible, and they have no idea what that person is trying to do. That's drama. Be strong enough. The Bible says if you've got something against your brother, go to that person and sit down and have a conversation with them and get it resolved. Don't be throwing it up there on Facebook. Here's what you use Facebook for. Let me tell you how to use Facebook and Twitter and all of that. Here's what you use it for. For the edification of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the strengthening, strengthening of the body of Christ. Encourage one another on Facebook. Put scriptures on there. Put scriptures on there. Put words of encouragement on there. Put comedy on Facebook. Put that up there. Put comedy on Facebook. Put something funny up there that'll make people laugh and chuckle when they see that. Use it for that and use it for pertinent information. Use it to advertise things that need to be advertised, okay? But don't be using it to try to dig somebody. If you do that, you're just weak. So don't do that. And you're, and, you're, and you're unscriptural and unbiblical. So I hate drama. I don't think you like it either. And so I just wanted to get off on that little rabbit trail. I'm your pastor. I have to live with you every day. So I'm your pastor. So it's not like I've got the anointing to be an evangelist. Blow in, blow up, blow out. This is what you do. Bye, I'm out of here. No, I have, to, I have to deal with the fallout of this. I want you guys to understand. I'm not going to put something bad about you on Facebook. I don't want you putting something bad about me on Facebook. You don't put something bad about everybody else out there. Use social media to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to be a blessing, to, to take the Word of God around the world. Just, you know, tweet, tweet that, for God so loved the world. Tweet, tweet, that He gave His only begotten Son. Tweet, tweet. And if you want to get a message to me while I'm preaching, hashtag JVorse. It'll come up. So we got to hate drama. The challenge of love is to, first of all, hate sin. You don't hate the sinner, you hate the sin. And if I hate something, I'm not going to be involved in it, okay? So, uh, and then, how many of us love peace? Don't we love peace? I love peace. I love a piece of cake. I love a piece of pie. We love, some of you are like, oh, he's anointed now. He's anointed now. How many of you love peace? I love peace. Don't you love peace? Listen, peace is something that is made. It's, it takes effort. We have to put deposits down in order to have peace in our life. That means that when I've got somebody that is working contrary to peace in my life, that I'm supposed to bless them that do good to me. That's what the scriptures say. I'm supposed to love my enemies, do good to them, to them that use me and, and that say all manner of evil against me falsely. The Bible said they did that to prophets. They did it to the prophets that came before you. And so we're supposed to just love even our enemies. Now I've been in this thing. I started ministering when I was eight years old and now I'm 48 years old. So almost 40 years I've been in this thing. And I've learned a few things. We've pastored four churches and 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 we're thankful for that and all of that. But, but I've learned something. I've learned that it's easier to just stay in love. You will have invitations in your life to side with people who want to get in wars against other people and who want to do this and do that. Listen, there's just as many people who are interested in peace. 
Find that group. Connect with that group. Connect with encouragers. Connect with people who believe in you and who believe in God's Word and God's blessing in your life. Takes effort, but it's worth it. All right, now let's look in verse number 3. There are four things that I want to share with you about love here. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sound and brass or a tinkling cymbal. Verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church said this. He said, love is more important than spiritual gifts. That's what he said right there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. I'm not near as interested in how much you can prophesy as I am in how you love your enemies. Because the devil can prophesy. The devil can work miracles. How can he work miracles? Because some sickness is of the devil. Not all sickness, but some sickness is of the devil. And all he has to do is lift that hand and it looks like a miracle took place. The Bible says right here, it says if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and don't have love, I am a resounding gong or a claiming, clanging cymbal. That means that if you're speaking in tongues, if you're prophesying, if you're trying to work miracles, if you're doing all of this kind of stuff, you don't have any love in your life, then you ain't doing nothing but making a bunch of racket. You know why? Because the lost can tell the difference. And you're not going to be able to pull the wool over their eyes like you will the Pharisee. The Pharisee will believe it. Oh, that sounded good. That was a fluent prophecy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God moved on you, didn't he? I can't believe what... Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come to church. I know that you are for me. Go to lunch. Can you believe? <laughs> Driving to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Turn into the parking lot. Yay, the Lord says. You're not fooling anybody. No, no, it's not a measure of how much we prophesy. It's not a measure of the miracles that we, uh, that we operate. That, that has nothing to do with it. God's always going to honor His Word. Uh, excuse me for saying this, and if it offends you, I'm sorry, but Mickey Mouse could stand up here with his big ears and read the Word of God. And it would have its intended effect because the Word of God is anointed. Amen. Hallelujah. A sinner, a lost person can get up and can preach the Word of God. How well I can minister to you, how well I can communicate the Word of God to you is no indication of whether the anointing is on my life or not. It's how I live outside of the pulpit. It's how I live when no one's looking. That's called integrity. Okay, let's move on here. In verse number 2. Then we go on here. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge so that I could remove mountains, have not charity, I am nothing. So number two, he says that love is more important than knowledge. 
So first of all, he said love is more important than spiritual gifts. Secondly, he said love is more important than knowledge. If I know everything there is to know about nuclear science, if I know everything there is to know about medicine and philosophy, if I know everything there is to know about psychology and other, every other ology or study of things, if you know it all but you do not have love, then the Bible says that you are nothing at all. And then it goes on in that scripture and it says that it's more important than faith. Right there on that same scripture it says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Now look at this. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, when the, Bible, when the Bible said here that love is more important than knowledge, 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 says this, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Hello. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The acquisition of knowledge is wonderful. I can get full of it, but it's going to take love to communicate the knowledge that I have acquired. It's going to take love to be able to communicate that in an effective way where it's more than just knowledge to you, where it actually gives you information that builds you up and makes you better than what you're... You see, here's the thing. A person that really loves you will leave you feeling better than you were when they came and spent time with you to begin with. They'll show up and they'll just kind of like... And before you know it, they'll be ready to leave and you'll just be up and you'll be like, wow, praise the Lord. Someone that tears you down, someone that doesn't necessarily tear you down, but they'll tear other people down. And then say, good fellowship and leave. First of all, it's not fellowship, it's hellowship. <laughs> and then they leave and you just feel uh inside. The reason you feel uh inside is because there was a lot there to feed a fleshly ego, but there was nothing there to feed a spirit, to feed your spirit. And so we, we have to... Uh, we have to take the knowledge that we have and we have to build one another up with that knowledge. If I have the opportunity to choose knowledge or love, I need to choose love. Paul says love's more important than faith. Now he doesn't say that faith is not important. He just says that love is more important than faith. He said that there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 2. Now in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, there's no value in faith if it's not expressed by love because the Bible tells us that love works by faith. And then we go to the next scripture there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7 and the Bible talks to us about that. Do we have it up there? You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. The scripture right before that, verse number 6, talks about that faith works by love. And then he says, uh, Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So don't let an unloving or an unforgiving spirit hinder you from obeying the truth of the gospel. One of the best pieces of advice I can give you today is this. Love and let go. Let go. Forgiveness is not pardon. Forgiveness is not pardon. I forgive you, but that doesn't mean I have to pardon you. Don't forget it, but forgive it. 
Hello? Don't forget it, but forgive it. There's some things we have to face, but we don't have to fight. Just because you face it doesn't mean you have to fight it. The fact that it's there means I have to face it and then the anointing for delegation come, come on me and I can say, Lord, that's yours. I'm giving that to you, God. I'm going to let you fight this battle for me. Lord, I'm going to let you take care of this. Lord, I can't, I'll just make a mess of this, God. I've tried in the past to make a mess of it. I've got myself all twisted up and all of that. And so, see, I didn't forget it but I'll forgive it. And so, Lord, I'm going to forgive it, and then I'm just going to leave, you know, I'll forgive, and forgiveness is not pardoned, but I'll just leave the payback to you because you said in your word, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And I've learned a long time ago that I can try to make somebody pay and make them pay and make them pay and make them pay, and it's nothing compared to God saying, let me handle it. Amen. Woo, Jesus. Hallelujah. Love is more important, number three, than generosity. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And that word to be burned, giving my body to be burned, means burning out. In other words, burning the candle at both ends, depleting myself. Love is more important than generosity. Paul says this, the motive for giving should be love. Love for God, love for the lost, love for the poor, love for the hurting and love for God's people and love for one another. So to recap, Paul is saying that love is more important than spiritual gifts. Paul is saying that love is more important than knowledge. Paul is saying uh, that love is more important than faith, and it's more important than generosity. Okay, you can talk to me on Twitter. Luke Bowling said this, Nice hair, you look like a more distinguished Batman. <coughs> Luke, you didn't know I was going to read that from the pulpit. You better watch it, man. Huh? And he wants to be my son-in-law. Watch this. I love you. Now, let's shift gears here for just a few moments, just a couple more minutes, and, and talk about how that we can practice this love in, in every area of our life. Is this helping you? You guys learning today? The, the Word of God is so good, isn't it? Let's talk about practicing love in our everyday lives. Jesus encourages us and commands us to love one another. In John chapter 13, verses 34, Jesus said this. He said, A new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The new part of that commandment was to love one another as He has loved. Us. That's the new part of that commandment. And Jesus said, this new commandment I'm giving unto you. Now let's talk just a little bit about the kind of love that Jesus had for us. First of all, Jesus did not have to come to a place that God calls His footstool to die a violent death to redeem a whole bunch of people who were created in God's image after God's likeness. He didn't have to do that, did He? But he did. So what that tells me is if I have the kind of love that God has for me and I have the kind of love that Jesus has, then that means I'm going to go places that I don't want to go. Sometimes I'm going to do things that I don't want to do. 
Maybe it'll be a place that I've never been before, but in order to communicate God's love, I'll go there. That's why I tell you all of the time that God has called us to be light into dark places. If, if all we're going to do is try to keep this message of God's love inside of these four walls, then we are going to fail miserably at the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. We have got to get this message outside of the four walls of this church. That's why there is over 40 ministries that come out of just this church. If we can do this with, a, with about 250 people in first and second service, if we can do this with about 250 people, what are we going to be able to do when we have a thousand? Oh my goodness, West Pasco County won't have a chance. Will they? They're going to be forced into revival because we're going to love them so hard that they're going to be forced to receive that love. And then they're going to be like, ooh, this feels pretty good. I kind of like this. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, if Jesus commands us to do this, then we must be, then this must be something that we have power over. In other words, I have the ability to choose whether I'm going to love someone or not. You have the ability to choose. I can choose to love you. I can choose to love my enemies. God knows that I can choose to hate them because that's what my flesh screams. But as long as I'm living for the Lord the way that I should and I keep God primary in my life, then I can choose to love them with the love of the Lord. Here's a good scripture, uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4, when it, it relates to that. The Bible says, Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. This passage teaches us to not be selfish or manipulative, but to be loving. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> Love begins at home. Love begins at home. I want to encourage you today to make the valuable choice to love your family on purpose. Begin with your spouse. Begin with your spouse. Okay? Make up your mind. I'm going to tell my husband, I'm going to tell my wife five times today, I love you. And then on Tuesday, I'll tell them six times. And, and work up to about a dozen times a day. And, and do that. I mean, just tell them. Tell your kids, I love you. See, if you begin with your spouse, it will spill over to your kids. Here's a good rule of thumb when your kids are small. Mama and daddy should gross the kids out in the kitchen. What do you mean by that? When they're three and four and five years old, come here, baby. Right in front of them, they'll be like, ew, cooties, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But they'll never forget, daddy loved mama and mama loved daddy. So gross them out. Go ahead, just gross your kids out. <laughs> then when they get to be teenagers, gross them out Friday night on the football field. No, 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 no. No. How I treat Donna is how my son is going to treat his wife. How she treats me is how my girls are going to treat their husband. Because kids learn they are products of the environment in which they grow up in. 
And so we have the responsibility to do the best that we can to teach them the very best that we can. So love begins at home. So begin with your spouse and let it spill over to your kids. And then it will spill over to your extended family. There's users that will always be there in your extended family, but love them anyway. Just love them anyway. And then when I say your extended family, that's really talk extended family. And, and let's talk about God transforming your in-laws into your in-loves. Okay, here we go. In the first service, I was sharing about Vicki, my mother-in-law. When she was still my in-law... She didn't call me her son-in-law. She called me a twerp. (laughs) 26 years ago when Donna and I got married, her favorite name for me was that little twerp. Here I was preaching camp meetings and conventions all over the country of Canada and some right here in the United States and down in Mexico and Jamaica. And I'd come home and my mother-in-law would call me a twerp and my wife would tell me, man of God, take out the trash. (laughs) One day she left our house and a few minutes later I heard this little knock on the door. And I opened the door and, you know, Vicki, she was always the life of the party anyway, you know, and still is most of the time. And, uh, and so I opened the door and she was crying and I thought, what in the world's going on? I said, what's wrong, Vicki? She said, I got into the car and the Lord told me I can't call you a twerp no more. <laughs> I said, I don't care if you call me a twerp. Yeah, but he said, you're a man of God and I can't call a man of God a twerp. I said, Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't too long after that, and instead of son-in-law, I was son-in-love. And now, I call her my outlaw. Some have in-laws, and others have outlaws. I love her, but she's, you know. But no, I call her my mother-in-love, my father-in-love and my mother-in-love. God can take those very difficult, and this is the point I'm trying to make, God can take those very difficult circumstances in your life, and sometimes those circumstances become very, very difficult when you start talking in-laws. Because really, all joking aside, in-laws can become outlaws, which means they will fight against everything that pertains to the relationship that you are in because they don't approve of it. In those instances, and I know it's very difficult, but in those instances, I encourage you, stay in love. Just stay in love. Just say, you know what? My personal peace, my spouse's personal peace is not worth us, worth us staying all twisted up in this drama every day. So we're just going to choose to love them with the love of the Lord and we're just going to love one another and when you do that, you can see God begin to shift that and start turning it around. So love begins at home, starts with the spouse, spills over to the kids, gets into the extended family. Then you all come to church together and it spills over into the church and it spills into the church family and then when the church family has the love of God in it like this one has, then it spills over into our community and then eventually into the world and you become the fulfillment of what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 35 when he said by this will all men know that ye are my disciples say it with me if you love one another hallelujah how can we win the world if we don't even love each other 
No, no, let's get it fixed first. And then let's go win the world. The world is your unsaved loved ones. It's your unsaved co-workers. They are watching you and listening to everything that you say. So when you go home and run someone down from your church family, they're thinking, and you want me to go to that church? In closing, there's a more excellent way, and that way is the way of love. Jesus was the physical manifestation of God's love on the earth. Today, because Jesus ascended and is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I, today as Christians, we are the physical manifestation of God's love to the world. How long has it been since you've loved someone to Jesus? We can preach to them all day long, can't we? Now the greatest power is love. Quit nagging that unsaved husband. Quit nagging that unsaved wife. Just love them into the kingdom. Just love them with the love of the Lord. There's no greater power than love. John chapter 15 verses 12 through 13 says this, This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm going to make a statement here and I don't want you to ever forget it. It wasn't your sin that motivated Jesus to die on the cross. It was His love for you. His love for you. It was necessary Calvary was necessary because of our sin. But His love is what motivated Him. That's what motivated Him. He loved you when you were still in your sin. God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you today. And He wants you to spread that love like peanut butter to the world around you. Put it on thick. Let them know they're covered with love. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.